and welcome to a very late edition of Bella Goodman's Curse uh, regarding the World Cup final. As always, I am one of your hosts, Steve Sutherland, uh, alongside me today. As always, Julian Amarante. Julian, how you doing? Very good, Steve. Uh, how's your summer been? Uh, hot. Yeah, really this hot. Is, this has been insane. The yeah. weather, like, you can't play in this weather. Yeah, with, with, I, the, the risk of sounding like Max, Max Rushton. <laughs> this has been one of the warmest summers, the hottest summers I, I, I can ever remember. I mean, can you imagine kicking a ball out there now? Uh, it would be just brutal. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Although it would be nice if Toronto FC would maybe take some of that heat on and yeah. maybe get hot at this time of year. It would be nice to watch. Uh, so as we said, this is our World Cup wrap-up show. We know we're a, a few weeks late, but like most of you, we probably had a little bit of a World Cup hangover and uh, Advil wasn't uh, wasn't helping with this hangover. So we, we took a break, but we, we are back and we're ready to go with the start of all of the new seasons across the world. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but to start... Julian and I are going to talk about some of our feelings about the World Cup final as well as just the, the World Cup overall. We'll take a quick break at that point. And then what we'll do is we've had uh, some of our listeners provide some submissions on their thoughts of the World Cup. So we'll take a listen to those. Uh, and then we'll provide a little bit of our response to what's been said. We'll take another break at that point. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, what we can expect in uh, in the world of soccer upcoming over the next uh, few weeks. And of course, we've had matches this weekend. So we might, uh, well, we'll try to, depending on time, we'll try and get to those points uh, as we can. So to start, Julian, what did you think? Uh, what did you think of the World Cup? The overall impression, I guess, is my first question for you. Well, just a bit of a recap first, uh, because, uh, you know, everybody's been kind of uh, telling about their, who they support. You know, our contributors have basically spoken about who they support and uh, what their allegiances are. And I think it's kind of important that we kind of restate our biases again. Uh, once again, I am a big AC Milan fan and also a big Boca supporter. I grew up in Sudbury. I played uh, for a very long time. I have two ACLs, uh, a broken shoulder, and a broken thumb to show for it. Uh, uh, and, and, yes, that's where the Advil comes in. Um, my thoughts on the World Cup. Well, I know our pod is called Bella Gutman's Curse, right? And I think that after watching this World Cup, I think we might best refer to it as Helenio Herrera's Revenge. Okay, uh, being all, you know, kind of that idea of defensive tactics and pragmatism. And this is what we heard by a lot of the, the kind of uh, the submissions that we had. It was kind of a common theme that went through the submissions. But I urge you to look up Mr. Helenio Herrera, one of the true greats of the sport, who came up with the concept of catenaccio. And catenaccio is not an Italian invention. Elenio Herrera was an Argentine who did coach in Italy, however. But yes, I think that we did see a lot of Catanacho style play, uh, a, a kind of a, a, a question of pragmatism. Um, you know, it, I'm going to say it wasn't as though there was moments of brilliance. There was some beautiful football, some beautiful instances. Uh, uh, I mean, it was it was phenomenal to kind of see some of the, the, these things, these athletes move the ball around, do the tricks. Mbappe, uh, of course, was was one of these standout players in that regard. Uh, however, you know, having seen 
my first World Cup final in 1974, and I just saw the final, seeing the semifinals of the 78, and then kind of seeing all the World Cups from 82 onwards. Yes, I'm old. Um, this was not an impressive World Cup for me. I was not impressed. Um, I think it was the worst one I've seen. Uh, the game has become very much a technocracy. Uh, I know that I'm going to have to live with this. I know I sound like a bit of an old fart, you know, going back to the good old days. And we know that that danger of what occurs with that when you kind of want to engage in this kind of like nostalgia. Uh, however, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it was, it was at the end, you know, I'm beginning to learn how to live with the result. And I'm starting to see the logic in France winning. And uh, I'm starting to see, you know, how, how, how the stage of acceptance is kind of set in. Uh, how about you, Steve? Um, so uh, I guess I will tell myself, uh, tell a little bit about myself again. Um, so an ardent Manchester United supporter. Or the biggest. Um, and not one of these uh, fly by the seat of your pants. So I loved David Beckham. I loved Cristiano Ronaldo. No, uh, while both of those players have their place in uh, in Manchester United's history, um, Eric Cantona to me uh, is possibly one of the greatest players to have ever put on the Manchester United shirt. Um, and hopefully, keep listening because you never know what might happen in the future. Um, apart from that, uh, support my somewhat home club of Toronto FC in the MLS. Uh, I love watching the, the growth of MLS and for the fact that they won a trouble last year uh, to now watch them this year is like watching the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's just utter disappointment. So that's, uh, you know, uh, for the most part, I have been very lucky to support Manchester United because we are a club that wins. Not so much recently, but we are a club with a winning tradition. Um, and I like to think that that's why the Leafs don't win, because... The yin and yang of yeah, the world, right? Yeah. Uh, you, can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too when it comes to sports. There you go. Um, I grew up playing the game, was a right back for, for the longest time, um, broke a few toes, and decided it was time I was too slow to be a right back because the game has changed so much. Uh, moved up to playing striker because I could be lazy and kind of lay the ball off. Uh, I thought the World Cup was good. I have not seen as many World Cups as Julian has, um, but uh, I, I did enjoy this tournament mostly um, to finally see England make it a little further into a tournament than than I ever have. Um but the the style of play from so many different teams was so different. Um, we didn't see, you know, teams all playing the exact same style at the same time. So it was really nice stylistically to be able to enjoy the different styles of football that countries brought to the table. Um, in terms of who I thought would win, um, I, I really did think... Uh, this is going to sound really stupid, but I honestly thought Germany was going to win. That obviously was was very wrong. Um, Julian, who did you think was going to win the tournament? I actually thought Spain was going to win. Uh, all my predictions went out the window, uh, uh, like right after the group stage, which is usually the case. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I still think that um, I think that Spain got sucker punched, and I still think that had Spain gotten past Russia, 
I think that perhaps we would have seen Spain in the final four. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe that's kind of the, the, the thing that I can take away that's a positive from this World Cup is that, you know, once again, the ball is round and we don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of the things that we probably think intuitively are going to happen, usually the reverse takes place. Especially in this tournament. Yes. Compared to others. Yes, of course. Um, was there a team that impressed you throughout the tournament specifically? Yes. Um, the team that impressed me the most was Croatia. Okay. Now, despite my general antipathy towards their frightening nationalist fans, I have to say that they were very, very interesting to watch. Uh, they're starting 11. I mean, they managed. You know, even though they went back to back on penalty kicks, I just did not see. And I think back to back to penalty kicks and then extra time. I was just amazing to see these guys push as far as they as they went. I was very impressed. How about you? Um, I'm actually going to say England. Yeah, um, I, I actually have that down here too. Uh, I mean, the, I didn't expect. Uh, just based on you know, based on the history, uh, yeah. expected a hiccup in the group stage didn't uh, didn't happen. Um, they got very lucky that certain teams were knocked out of the tournament by the time that they got into the knockouts. Um, and uh, while they were the team that impressed me most, I, I could also say that they had players in that team that maybe disappointed me more. Than, than I, I expected some of the players to actually play better. But in terms of as a team, uh, I actually thought that Gareth Southgate did an incredible job keeping them organized uh, throughout the tournament. Um, were you disappointed by Or do you want to talk about England first? Yeah, no, I just wanted to add a, a thing or two. I, I really was impressed with England. I, you, I saw a great level of improvement uh, in terms of their organization, in terms of their technical abil- ability. Uh, uh, I, I, I think that also they played with a great deal of heart. Um, they showed the inexperience uh, in, in that semifinal, and I think it really got to them. Uh, I can see them getting a lot better. I can see them getting a lot better, particularly with the players that seem to be coming up in the youth ranks. Uh, I, I actually see England improving over, over the next four to six years. All right. Was there a team that disappointed you more than any? Yeah, this is going to sound strange. The team that won disappointed me, France. I mean, they won every game, essentially, by playing 15 minutes of good football. And that's about it. Uh, I mean, the rest, the rest, the rest was very, very, as, 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 you know, was a common motif among our contributors, basically in terms of playing very much with pragmatism, uh, very, very, very kind of conservative in their tactics. But yes, that's what wins. I was also very, very disappointed with Argentina, although I should have known better. I mean, this is a team that really, really did not have as much substance as we all kind of believe that they they, they might have had. And despite poor Messi's uh, attempts to kind of carry this team, it was just impossible. I was also very disappointed with Uruguay's performance against France. I thought that they came out very, very flat. And I think that they were much better. They could have been much better than that. I mean, I, I also was disappointed with teams such as Nigeria and Senegal. 
but I don't think I'm being fair to them. I think that, you know, uh, uh, they do, definitely do not have these resources that the, the, the European associations have. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I, I think it, it would have to be France and Argentina. See, so expected disappointment with Argentina. So mm -hmm. I'm going to avoid that one. Um, I think I was most disappointed. Um, well, I won't say most disappointed. I was disappointed in Egypt. Yeah. Uh, I definitely thought that they would rally around uh, as a team, and that, that didn't happen. Um, I understand your disappointment with, with France. Um, I think that comes to your general lack of, you know, interest in, in a Juve style of football, but we yeah. can, we can leave that for some other yeah, show. We can, we can discuss that, that after it just, it was very clear that Deschamps, you know, made this team play in an image that he was well-versed in. Exactly. Uh, I don't think either of us think that he really did much of um, anything. Um, and Brazil. Yeah, uh, Brazil. We can like we can talk about Germany, but guess what? Everyone's already talked about it. There's really no reason to. They were awful. End of discussion. Uh, Brazil. It, Brazil probably should have been in the final. They they just didn't perform. Uh, and to me, we've talked a, a lot of times when we've spoke about Brazil. We've discussed the antics of Neymar, but I really want to point out not so much the antics, but how he slowed the game down for them. Yeah. It, it was really his style of play contrasted so much with everybody else on the pitch for Brazil that I think they would have actually done better and looked better when he was nowhere near the ball. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Uh, Very good. As a disappointment. Um, stand out. Okay. Well, I'm gonna just, want, just, want me to go first? Sure. Okay. Stand out player. Uh, as much as it pains me because uh, they play for Real Madrid, the number one player for me was Luka Modric. Uh, Luka Modric uh, harkened back to a time of a player where, you know, the ball went through him. This fellow just seemed to be able to run forever. Uh, he was making passes that were unbelievable. His vision, he, he seemed to be at the right place at the right time all the time. Uh, and you really got the feeling that if you took him out of that Croatia team, the Croatia would have not gone as far as they went. And I really believe that he carried much of the, the, the responsibility of uh, kind of organizing and directing that team on his shoulders. And I was very, 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 very impressed with him. I was also very impressed with Ronaldo's performance against Spain. Um, that really goes down for me as one of the great performances in the World Cup. And, you know, again, I have a kind of antipathy towards these players for uh, reasons uh, that probably seem irrational. But, you, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. You? Um, I'm going to pick a different midfielder, one that comes from the World Cup winning squad. No, it's not Paul Pogba. It's N'Golo Kante. Nice. Because if you're going to play that style of football, you need someone who can just, who can run and, and runs with a smile on him. Like, yeah. N'Golo Kante was, to me, one of the only players who looked like he was enjoying himself, no matter what was happening on the pitch. Like, the guy always has a smile on his face, and you can tell he just loves what he does. 
There, and he does it well. There was that moment, that very interesting moment when Deschamps pulled him off for Nzunzi to stabilize the team. Um, and that was, that was interesting. And you could see that he had the humility to even know that, you know, yeah, he wasn't filling the, the uh, his boots at that point. And uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to him this year at Chelsea because he's going to have the freedom to roam far much more uh, at, at that club with Jorginho behind him. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to play this year. I think that's, and I think one of the best stories that came out of the World Cup was that he was, he didn't want to ask to hold the trophy. Oh, I did not know this. Yeah, so one of, this came out after, and I can't remember who, one of the other players brought it up, but uh, he was too shy to ask to to have, to hold the trophy. Oh, I just love the guy even more now. Like, wow. The guy always had, like, if you look up N'Golo Conte on Google and you just look at images of him, like, goes on bike rides, he's just got a big smile, like, he's always smiling, like, he's always enjoying himself. <laughs> but just because I've uh, mentioned Paul Pogba, I do want to say that very clearly uh, his leadership qualities came through in this team. I'm going to get some disagreement on this, but that's okay. But if you listen to how the other players in that France team talk about Pogba and how Pogba is the vocal one in the dressing room, yeah, uh, it's very clearly that we might end up seeing a very different Paul Pogba in years to come. Well, I think you actually saw that in yesterday's match between Leicester City. Um, he... Uh... That's the Paul Pogba I wanted to see, but yeah, let's let's continue we'll, we'll on. This. Yeah, yeah. We'll... Um, standout manager. Standout manager. Boy, oh boy. Well, I'm I'm going to go uh, with Washington Tavares uh, strictly because the man is just class through and through. Uh, he uh, has a kind of vision of football that I kind of share. Uh, he's basically rebuilt Uruguayan football over the last 20 years. And um, he's an intelligent, progressive man. And uh, you saw it come through on the team. Um, and, uh, I mean, I was hoping that uh, that you would have seen his squad progress further because I would have liked to have seen him hold the trophy, to be quite honest with you. It would have been phenomenal to watch. I'm going to pick uh, a coach. Not a manager. Yes, I know this. This is a good one. Uh, and that's Thierry Henry. Yes, sir. Um, very. Cl- I don't want to say that it's very clear because you know it. We only get to see what we get to see, uh, and Martinez looks like he gets to be the manager. But it's very clear that Henry's influence <laughs> on the attacking portion of of Belgium and how they're organized. Um, that shines through, um, especially and, and not just like his playing influence, but just like the influence he has on on the players and the respect he gets from the players. Um, so that's I'm, I'm going to stick with Henri there. Let, let me ask you a question. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think uh, this is a foray into management for him? I think eventually. Yeah. Um, I think much like a lot of the players coming through this era from that same era, like Gerard is now at Rangers, yeah. uh, Lampard is at Derby. Um, I, I think, I think Henri's doing it the right way Yeah, where he's kind he's, you know, he's, he's learning. I don't think he's learning from Roberto Martinez. He might be actually teaching him something. Um, yeah, he's doing his apprenticeship, but yeah, I think he's going about it the right way. Yeah. In, yeah. in the same way that a Pat- that Patrick Vieira has done. Yeah. 
Um, yes. Do I know where he's going to go? No, because I I don't think the Arsenal job is going to be available no. for a little while. No. Um, I hope he doesn't end up with a big big squad right away. I'd like to see him kind of work his way up to something bigger. You know, I think I mean? that would be yeah, that would be fair. Um, any disappointing players and managers in this tournament? Well, for obvious reasons, Neymar. I mean, um, you got the feeling, and I think you'd agree with me. I mean, you kind of already alluded to that. That if Neymar was not on this Brazil team, this Brazil team would have played better. Uh, I think he was a hindrance. He became a bit of a liability. Um, and not the antics. I mean, everybody seems to be disappointed with his antics. And, and that's completely understandable. So am I. But I don't think he actually played well. I don't think that, you know, he reached the potential. Uh, he is capable of being a game changer. And he is capable of creating something out of nothing. But you just got the feeling that, you know, like it was almost like he didn't even want to be there. And, you know, when he did get touched, you know, he rolled over and, you know, the, the play acting and so on and so on and so forth. I mean, he was a bit of a disappointment. The other guy that disappointed me, and this is going to come off uh, again as being kind of funny, is Paul Pogba. Not that I'm saying he played terrible. Paul Pogba did his job, and he did his job very well. I just have this feeling that Paul Pogba could be the next big football star. He has loads of talent. He has it all. Brains, technique, skill, strength, leadership. And I kind of felt that in many ways I was waiting for him to kind of explode. And, you know, I mean, the goal was lovely. In the final, it was lovely, and I, I'm, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, taking him down for his style of play. I thought he did his job admirably and uh, to a T. I just, I just like to see more. I'd like to see this guy really take off. You know what I mean? Uh, manager wise, Sampaoli. Sampaoli, he was a disaster. Uh, he went from a genius at Chile to a goat. Uh, I mean, uh, just absolute shambles. I mean, uh, like he, 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 at one point, I, I, uh, I believe he actually went up to Messi and asked him what to do in the middle of the, the match. The cameras had picked it up. I know that uh, the papers in England had actually uh, showed video of this. But this guy, it seemed like he had no clue. Uh, disappointing player and manager for myself. Uh, I'm going right back to Germany. Okay. Um Yogi Love uh, as the manager. Like it, it feels good to finally kind of beat up on Germany for a change. One, the players that you left at home. Oh my god! Um, and brought like every. I question every single decision that was made for Germany in this tournament. Uh, starting, we'll start with Neuer and Net. I think that was the first mistake. The guy hasn't played at all this season. Like respect only gets you so far. Yep. Um, and uh, Sweden, Mexico, and South Korea, Korea. both yeah. should. They respected them, but they put them to the sword. Yeah, I uh, think so. They, they like Germany just did not look ready to play. Do you think Lewis should re resign? Should have resigned, or or been fired? No. How come? Because. The systems are like the systems that are in place for Germany. And let's face it, this is a blip. 
Like this isn't going to happen again. Um, and if anything, I would be terrified of playing against a German team over the next <laughs> two to four years because yeah. they they may not lose again for a very long time after this. Yeah. Um, so I think you I think you stick with him. Uh, in terms of player, you know, we've mentioned uh, Neymar. I'm going to get outside of teams that didn't qualify. Like, I'm going to stick with teams that didn't qualify. Roberto Lewandowski. Wow. Yeah. He did nothing. He did absolutely nothing for Poland. It's terrible. Yeah. No, he, and, and, and I mean, I know this position as a striker, you kind of need service from your, from your team. But, like, yeah, there, there was really nothing there. Like this was like a holiday for him almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he. That's a good choice. That's a really good choice. Uh, And then the last question I'm going to ask you, uh, best goal. Oh, man. What was your favorite goal? Yeah. The the standout goal for me was Luka Modric's goal against Argentina. That little moving and moving and then just beautifully pasted on the inside of the post, curled it in, just broke their back. And, and it was so well done. I mean, that was my favorite goal. I mean, there were some real honorable mentions. I mean, uh, uh, there were some beautiful goals throughout this tournament, but my favorite was Luka Modric's goal against Argentina. Um, I'm going to go uh, Messi's goal against France. Nice. Yeah. The, uh, one, yeah. the ball that was played into him uh, was spectacular, but to have taken it at the speed that he took that ball down was just superb. Uh, and I think while a lot of people may think that uh, he was disappointing in this tournament, um, one player does not make uh, does not make a team. Um, and not only that, but Sam Pauli was disappointing for him. Uh, and the players around him were were just as disappointing, if not more so. Um, we can talk all we want. We we could do a whole episode on Argentina and who should have. Yeah, went I, mean, this like, there's, I mean, there's so many threads that we can go. At. I, before we finish the segment, I do want to ask you one thing about this World Cup. Okay, you convinced about VAR? Yes. Okay. And why? Um, because we saw it work in certain instances. We saw that it doesn't work in others. Do, does it need to be improved? Yes. Yes. Um, but I, I go back to one goal that was scored, and it was South Korea's goal against Germany, the first one, Yeah. where it was originally called offside. Um, they went and reviewed it, and it was a goal. Um, so I think there – it, does it need to be fine-tuned? Yes. Was the World Cup the time to test the technology? No. Uh, leagues should be using it before an international tournament of, of this magnitude. Well, I mean, for me, I'm still a non-believer. Uh, I have a qualification. I still think that what we need is we need goal line technology, and that stays. Uh, I think it was a real big mistake to introduce it at the World Cup without having really done any extensive stress testing on it. You know what I mean? Uh, particularly uh, through the leagues, I actually think that they should have like waited at least four years and watched how it was used in other leagues before doing it. Like I think Qatar would have been a little bit better to kind of introduce it. I don't like the way they introduced it, but I really am not convinced. I am not convinced yet, and it's going to take some time for me to become a believer. I think that's I think that's fair. So what we're going to do now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, you'll hear from some of our listeners. 
uh, and their feelings on this, uh, this World Cup, and then we will uh, provide our responses to them. And we're back. Uh, what I'm going to what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to send up some of our listeners' reviews of this current, or I guess this past World Cup. They're very good. Hi, this is Bridget. I'll keep this short and sweet because I'm sure you've heard enough from me already. Just going to declare my biases. I support Atletico Madrid in La Liga and Liverpool Football Club in the Premier League. Um, I also support Spain internationally. So, did I enjoy this World Cup? I certainly watched a lot of it. It was kind of compulsive at certain points, but can you really enjoy something that hurts you so much? In the halcyon days of June, I expected the semi-finals would be between France and Brazil and Spain and Germany, with some strenuous calculations suggesting the final would be between Brazil and Germany. Now, I don't believe in prediction. In general, I take Yogi Berra's comment, it ain't over till it's over, as my guiding principle, because it isn't especially in football where teams can come back and win after being three down at the half for the actions of a single individual who's suddenly distracted by a piece of litter blowing across the pitch can mean the difference between a goal going in or being deflected. In a lot of ways, this World Cup kind of illustrated my point because no part of it looked like it was supposed to. During the group stages, I loved this chaos. I found it exciting and the uncertainty made me think we were going to see something amazing, something entirely unexpected. And yeah, what came next was unexpected. The teams that did well were not the teams I predicted, and if I'm entirely honest, they were also not the teams I wanted to do well. As much as I have team loyalties, I also place a lot on how entertaining a match is. In general, I like Spain, and I like Latin American football. I also like watching Italy and Portugal. Obviously, these are not all the same style of football, but what they have in common is an emphasis on showmanship and flourish. None of the teams who went really far had that, except maybe France in a rare mood. I was pretty profoundly annoyed by the stylistic shift towards conservative, safe defensive football. The style sometimes identified as anti-football, though I know that term has other applications. Now, I actually love defenders, but there's defending and there's defending. The defenders I consistently love are the Jamie Carragher's, the Daniel Eggers, the Felipe Luises, players who put their well-being at risk to do their job, but excel in a team that is taking risks and pushing forward. In this tournament, numerous teams set up camp with sometimes five at the back. It was like trench warfare with ages of hard, horrific conflict to gain virtually no territory. If you're playing to win by sheer effort and brute strength, why don't you take up biathlon or powerlifting or something? Now, after that diatribe about defensive playing, I have to say that the team that impressed me the most impressed me because of their spectacular defending. This was Uruguay with the central defensive partnership of Diego Godin and Jose Jimenez, and an incredibly reactive and on-point Martin Caceres. This was defending based on skill, with each challenge met as it was posed. See, I cheer for brilliant goals, but I also cheer for brilliant tackles. Every time Godin knocked the ball back into midfield was a delight. Every slide Caceres made to knock the ball out of play was gorgeous. And when Jimenez was moved to tears in the dying moments of their loss to France, my heart broke because I could see how much he had committed. I can't bring myself to say that Spain disappointed me. What happened with Spain was different. It was like watching your little brother try really, really hard at something and just not quite succeed. You're never going to be disappointed because he tried so hard. It's more like you're sharing his heartbreak. 
Now, when I think about standout players or the players who disappointed me, I, I think I use different criteria than a lot of people. I hope I'll be forgiven because this is probably pretty hackneyed and maudlin, but I like players whose character could be loosely described by Kipling's if. You know, if you keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, and so on. So I have a, a couple of players, a group of players, um, who I would, I guess, were standout players. Um, the first one is Javier Mascherano. Argentina didn't win, and their performance was a wretched Shakespearean tragedy. Why? No one really knows. People are speculating about the youth programs, about the manager, about an alleged coup among the players, about the training. But it was clear to me in their last match that Mascherano was a large part of what prevented the team from falling apart completely. My second choice, this might be a controversial one, but I came to respect Antoine Griezmann in this tournament, specifically because of his choice to not celebrate two goals. His penalty kick against Australia, which is awarded because of VAR, and his goal against Uruguay. I don't know his motivation in the case of Australia, but with his goal against Uruguay, he actually made a public statement about why he didn't celebrate, and that was because a mentor of his was Uruguayan, and his, two of his club teammates, Godin and Jimenez, were on the pitch. Um, an honorable mention would be Gerard Piquet, who rescued a little bird during Spain's match against Portugal. Now, in terms of players who disappointed me, I have quite a lot of trouble with players who behave like dipshits. I will only be disappointed in someone if I don't think they're trying, so I'm not going to bestow the title of most disappointing player to someone who didn't reach their potential. Rather, I'm going to name someone who failed, in my mind, to achieve the best that's supposed to be achieved in this tournament of sportsmanship and honor and respect. That is Cristiano Ronaldo. I've said that I don't have anything personal against him. Uh, he's very active in charity work, and I think he actually does have a sense of humor about himself. But he behaved like a dipshit in this tournament, from the moment he winked at, I believe it was Isco in the Portugal-Spain match, to deciding that once Portugal had left the tournament, that the World Cup wasn't nearly as important as his move to Juventus. Again, it's not that I'm disappointed. It's just that I think his behavior is unbecoming of a gentleman. I'm Lina. And I played soccer when I was very young in Italy. And um, I always went for Juventus. And back home, your family kept the tradition of going for the same team. So ever since I was a small child, went for that team. Until now, I'm going to take a break from it because Ronaldo's there. Anyways, for this cap, um, I thought Germany was maybe going to win. I didn't want it, but I thought so. I was impressed with um, uh, Croatia. I think they did a lot better than I thought they would. And um, the one I was disappointed was Argentina and any, the manager in particular. And then also as a player, Neymar, because he's a good player, but those antics were terrible. Um, the best goal, I thought, were two of them. Uh, Cavani's goal and then Madrid goal as well. Regarding the video thing, I think it would be good to see if the goal went actually um it was right, like it was whether I was offside or whether not he went inside the line. But otherwise, the rest was pathetic. I think it kept stopping the game as well. And um, a referee had just been terrible. Anyways, that's it.
拜拜。Hi everyone, this is, uh, my name is Gio. Uh, I'm from Hamilton. Uh, I'm a researcher uh, with an international uh, union. Um, I support uh, SL Benfica and Vitoria Stubel, two uh, Portuguese sides in the first division. Uh, I'm a supporter of these clubs. Uh, while I'm a supporter of Benfica, I've been a supporter since I was a little kid. Uh, my grandfather is mostly responsible um, for that, to so take me to the games when I was a um, little to the local Portuguese um, uh, social club and we watch the games together and then uh, whenever I'd go to Portugal he'd take me to the to the games uh, there at the old Estadio de Luz uh, even at the and at the new one as well um, so uh, Benfica is uh, as we say in Portuguese o clube do meu coração with that's in my heart and that's always going to be the case for obviously familial uh, reasons but it's just a club that's always been there since I was a kid um, uh, I'll just say that uh, more recently I've become more estranged from the club. Uh, it's probably a longer discussion we could have at some point. Uh, and it, it's mostly due to the political economy of the modern game, I suppose. Uh, so the club, which has sort of led me to stop paying dues or my association member fees to the club. Um, so the club that I, I mostly, I still follow Benfica, but the club I'm, I'm most loyal to these days is Vitoria Stubo, which is the other club. Uh, and this is the club that uh, is from my hometown in, in Portugal. Um, which is Stubel, uh, and it's um, attached to this club because it's my hometown club, but it's also, Stubel's also a working-class city, um, and the club, of course, like like many, um, or the city, like many other working-class cities, has suffered uh, immensely in the past 30, 40 years through deindustrialization, etc., uh, and the club has sort of followed suit, so there's a soft spot uh, for me, uh, for this club, and it's a club that's in um, sort of dire dire straits and so this is the only club currently that I, I uh, support monetarily um, my relationship with the sport of football uh, I mean I've played the sport since I was a little kid um, playing uh, in the schoolyard I used to play with uh, tennis balls um, playing on the street I played uh, organized football from 15 14 to, or 14 to about 21 or 22 um, at all levels of, of competition, um, from from recreation to which uh, to 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 high level competition uh, in Ontario, I play for a club in Hamilton called uh, Hamilton Croatia, um, and that's uh, pretty much where I learned my my footballing uh, my footballing craft. I would say. Uh, how many World Cups have I seen? This will be this. This was the seventh World Cup. I followed the last six. Um, pretty closely. Um, so the first one I saw was in 1994. Uh, I remember it pretty well. Um, but I followed uh, 98 closely, 2002, uh, 2006. Um, those those three, uh, I followed pretty closely. 2010, not so much. Uh, somewhat, but not as intensely. Uh, in 2014, not as intensely. This was probably the, the tournament that I followed uh, closest uh, in probably like 10 years or so. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was an entertaining uh, tournament. Again, generally my perspective on uh, watching football is not so much for the entertainment value. Um, I watch football um, from the perspective uh, that it's a competition uh, and the objective of the game is to win. So um, 
again, my my perspective is looking at the game as uh, and the tactics within it as as a means to win, which is to win. So questions of of style, of of of, of forms of play, of of quote unquote the beautiful game are generally secondary to me, or secondary importance. Um, although they, they are important, and I am sympathetic to some of the critiques of of sort of the loss of the loss of of of. Of, of you know the romantic aspect of the game, the creativity that that one sees in, in the schoolyard or whatever, right? And and uh, sort of the riskiness and and the, uh, and that sort of thing, individual creativity. Uh, I do think I think the critiques of, of the modern game that from the from that approach are, are definitely fair. Um, association football really does um, tend to um, eliminate as much as possible the the risk takers and uh, and the individually creative and that sort of thing, you know. Um, the artists, I guess I would say. Um, but uh, other than that, I, I thought the I thought this World Cup was was quite enjoyable. Um, and and, and I, I I I couldn't compare whether this one the football and the quality of this one was 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 uh was not as good as as other ones. Um, again, but like I said, I I don't I generally don't don't view uh don't make those types of comparisons anyway. Uh, what team impressed me during the most? The most during the World Cup, Belgium was was the team that impressed me the most. I thought they um, have finally sort of shown um, what eleven talented individuals, the type of team that eleven talented individuals can create. Um, they, I think, they deserve. They are the, they they deserve uh, to be called the Brazilians of Europe, and they deserve that mantle, um, which. You know the Portuguese used to be called. Uh, they play the best football, I think, the best attacking football in in uh, in Europe, and definitely the most um, beautiful football. Um, what team disappointed me? I think I have three teams that disappointed me the most. Uh, Argentina, I think they disappointed everybody. Germany was also disappoint. It was very disappointing. Um, I, I think Germany is a perfect example of. And, and I guess Spain as well, but Germany is a perfect example of tiki taka. Just, just gone Ari. It, it, it was just, just horrible to watch. Um, another team that that sort of disappointed me. I thought was going to have a better tournament was Serbia. Um, Serbia's got a lot of young talent, a lot of young footballing talent, uh, in the likes of uh, Jović, Zivković, um, established strikers like Mitrović. Um, I, I think they're they're due for a good tournament. Uh, well, Matić as well. They're always getting up there. Uh, I think they're due for a good tournament at some point. Um, whether they can put it together, uh, obviously, is another question. But um, they have some fantastic, fantastic individual talent. Um, again, I'm, I'm thinking of, of Markovic, um, signed from Liverpool a couple years ago from Benfica, and he's sort of gone, gone off the radar. But there's still a lot of talent there. Um, but again, I, I, Serbia disappointed me. I thought they had a, they they should have had a better tournament. At least, at least should have gotten to um, uh, the knockout round. Uh, the standout player and manager in the tournament, Mbappe, for me, um, I, I know he was uh, sort of the uh, the black sheep in, in our group uh, for a lot of folks, uh, but I think he showed that he's much more than just speed. Um, he, he has some really nice particulars to his game. He's got a little bit of that that jinga, that, that, that street ball in him, um, some nice little, little heels, nice little uh, passes. Um, and, and I thought his his shooting ability, his finishing ability, was was pretty well on display, uh, particularly in the final. So I think he's he's got a lot to his game, uh, and he's got a lot a lot of upside. I mean, for a nineteen year old, he's got a lot of upside. Um, manager of the tournament, I think is it for me is Deschamps. 
Um, I, I agree with the critiques of the French squad um, that were made, particularly in the in the uh, the group stages. Um, again, that at times they looked uh, unconvincing. I, I agree. Uh, some of the games I watched, like the the, the gaps between the lines, uh, between the the defense and the midfield and the midfield and the offense were just um, were just something that you generally don't you don't see in, in quality teams. Um, and, and they look like they pull those, those wins pretty much out of individual talent or, or dead ball situations. So, um, uh, so I, I, in saying that, I, I think Deschamps, uh, once the, the knockout stages came on, he, he sort of focused that team, uh, and really gave him identity. And that was to play counterattack football, um, be strong defensively and, and counterattack football and that, that suited them for the knockout. And that's eventually what, uh, what got him to the final and won it. Uh, and so I think hats off are deserved for Deschamps in sort of crafting that that mentality and that that form of play. Disappointing player and manager, Sampaoli takes the cake, no question. Um, again, his tactical uh, disaster against the French. I mean, for for me, it was much was especially evident against the French game. It was probably the game, the closest game that I watched um, by the Argentinians. Um, he, I, he 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 completely. Uh, did not uh, try to uh, neutralize um, the, the French wing attack, uh, and if anything, he only facilitated it. Uh, in my in my view, uh, disappointing player Messi and Di Maria uh, for me were the most disappointing players. Um, Di Maria was a guy that uh, I thought was would have been a, a a much bigger player at this point in his career, um, but he's he's really dropped off the radar. Uh, I thought he would have had a better tournament as long with the Argentinian team as a whole. Uh, but again, as the team goes, uh, so do the individual um, sort of stars on that team. Uh, I know I'm almost on 10 minutes, so I'm going to be quick with the best goal, but I, th I think there's a few shoutouts that are necessary for the best goal. Um, I'm a sucker for long-range strikes, so I'm going to uh, just list out a few of them. Nacho's goal, Di Maria's goal against France, Quaresma's uh, Trivella against uh, Iran, uh, Coutinho's long-range strike in the group stage for me were were, were were just were beauties to watch. Uh, shout out to Toivonen's goal uh, against Germany. That little chip over Neuer uh, in close uh, with a defender on his heels. That's that's a masterclass touch. Um, those are just shout outs. The best goals for me in the tournament. Uh, the best individual goal um, is John Ozaz's goal against England uh, for Belgium. Uh, he just, just undresses that defender and then curls it with his left foot on the outside post. Uh, Diego Costa's goal against Portugal, even though there's a foul on that play, uh, takes on three defenders, manages to get this to create a space and, and get the shot out. That's that's you can, that 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 to me is 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 a fantastic individual strike. Uh, Cavani's two goals against Portugal are just beautiful finishes by uh, by a finishing striker, um, whether the header, but the, that second uh, one touch, uh, first touch, just curls it on the run. Uh, that that's that's incredible. Uh, and again, the best team goal <laughs> goes to the uh, Belgians uh, against the Japanese uh, and Chadley finishing off that, that masterclass textbook uh, counterattack uh, that literally was completed uh, in three movements, right? Um, Courtois throws it out to De Bruyne. De Bruyne runs like 40 yards, uh, pushes it out to the, right, uh, to the right wing to Hazard, I believe. Uh, and then the next pass, uh, Lukaku just dummies it. Uh, and Charlie finishes it. So uh, that to me is textbook counterattack football. Uh, and, and the Belgians 
executed it perfectly. Uh, and that, that to me was the best team goal um, that we saw in the tournament. All right, folks, that's all for me. Sorry, I'm over time. See you, boys. This is Frank Mishy from Sydney, Australia, checking into Bella Gutman's Curse. Um, I'm from Sydney, Australia, as I've mentioned. Uh, I'm 46. I've been watching football for most of my life, 40-plus years. I'm an IT support technician. I've been doing that for far too long. Um, football is pretty much my religion. I support two clubs, Juventus, much to Julian Amarante's chagrin. And locally, I support Sydney FC here in Australia, except no substitute. Um, my general overview of the World Cup, it was enjoyable, um, certainly stress-free, simply because uh, Italy wasn't playing and uh, my blood pressure wasn't up and obviously Australia wasn't expected to do much. And unfortunately, it didn't disappoint in that regard. Uh, we always hope it would do a little bit more, but didn't, unfortunately. Um I've been watching World Cups since 1982 when Italy won uh, the day after my 10th birthday. So that was very enjoyable. Um, and hence, I'm a, a disciple of, of that Italian team, Tardelli, Cabrini, Rossi, etc., Bergomi, and all those guys. Um, and so I've been, uh, I've been a student of the game ever since. Of the current World Cup, who did I think would win? I thought Belgium would be in with a shout. I really wanted Argentina for win, to win, um, if only for Leo Messi. Um, horribly disappointed, but uh, that's the way it goes. I thought France had uh, a bunch of gears left in, and they were an extremely talented squad. I'm impressed by the team that was there and by the players they left behind. They've got depth, and I think they'll be uh, a force for years and years to come. Um, the teams that impressed me during the World Cup, um, France, for the reasons that I've just outlined, I think they've got so much more in them. Um, they formulated a, pl a plan that no one else was able to break down, um, and they stuck to it. Was it the flashiest football? No, but it was very, very solid, and there, there's so much left in the, in the tank there. I mean, they will come out and express themselves in, in friendlies and other tournaments, but in a World Cup, you've got... Uh, it's a tournament you want to win, so pragmatism wins out, um, practicality wins out, and sometimes the prettiest team doesn't win. In fact, a lot of the time, the prettiest team doesn't win. Um, and people need to get used to that. Oh, you know, this team played better, and this team we played more attractive football, and I wanted this team to win because they were flashy. It doesn't, it doesn't, just doesn't work that way. And people need to understand that. You know, it's a once in a four year opportunity to become champions of the world. Um, so you don't pass it up for a, you know, a back heel or a, a flashy pass or, or you know, any of that sort of thing. They go out there to win. And in that sense, uh, uh, Deschamps did really, really well. In terms of impressive styles of play, Belgium. I thought Belgium were a really good, good shout. Um, but other than the starting 11, they've got a little bit of depth, but they don't, certainly don't have the depth of the, of the bigger countries such as uh, uh, Germany, um, France and other nations. Um, but the, the starting 11 is, you know, up there with the best in the world. Um, certainly Croatia did really well to get to the final. But again, I think in the end, they ran out of legs and, and they don't have the, the depth on the bench throughout the, you know, the entire squad. The teams that disappointed, um, whew, heaps of teams, really. Um Germany, obviously, uh, not getting out of the group stage was a massive disappointment. Uh, Brazil, well, I, I'm not a Brazilian fan. I, I much 
rather like Argentina, but I think they disappointed the world with their antics, especially Neymar. I mean, they showed flashes of brilliance, but you know they, they've got to stop this uh, this this play acting rubbish. Um, and, and I think they're just bringing the game into disrepute. In terms of disappointment, I, I was most disappointed for Argentina, sort of because I, I wanted uh, Leo Messi to to really crown his career with the World Cup, but. Um, you know they they just didn't get it together. Standout player and standout manager. I'm going to I'm going to surprise a few people. A lot of people are going to go for people like Hazard and Modric and uh, and all the rest of it. Listen, my the player for the, of the tournament for me was Anton Griezmann. Um, he just pulled the strings and did so in an understated way. Um, you know he he did so in such a way that he wasn't targeted by the opposition. Um, and he was just allowed to dictate the play and did his work effectively and efficiently. The manager for me was was uh, Didier Deschamps. Uh, he managed to put together a squad that was uh, trouble free, completely united, and completely unlike you know the French squads of of recent times. Um, and he's put together a team which has won a World Cup, and that's just to be applauded. Uh, the Croatian manager, obviously, with limited resources, done exceptionally well. Um, Martinez, I suppose, is to be applauded to get Belgium to the semi-final, although many would argue that he's a limited manager. But, uh, again, they did quite well. Um, people would say Southgate, but Southgate had a very, very easy draw. He had, you know, one really tough hurdle in terms of Colombia and a semi-tough hurdle in terms of Sweden, but realistically... Any, any other half-decent team with his sort of draw should have gotten as far as they did. Disappointing player and manager. There's a, there was a few disappointing players, but I'm going to pick a player I was disappointed for, and that would be Leo Messi. Um, the most disappointing manager was Sampaoli, simply because he had no idea what to do with the resources at his disposal. Um, he could not put together a team um, in that Argentinian squad that really did the country or or its greatest player justice. And I thought that was horribly, horribly disappointing, not only for um, Messi, but for fans around the world who expect much, much better from Argentinian football than what we saw. Um, the best goal? Listen, there's always always going to be a few contenders. I, I'm going to go for Benjamin Pavard for, for France against Argentina. Although Di Maria's in the same game was also a great goal, I felt that that's that's you know, I love defenders scoring goals, and that was his first international goal, and it was an absolute screamer. So I'll I'll pitch for that one. Um, overall, interesting World Cup in terms of VAR. Uh, listen, I I think it will be eventually here to stay. Do I like it? No, it takes the humanity out of the game, but if it takes out the the People like the Neymars and, you know, if you think of World Cups gone by, people like Rivaldo gaining capital from, from play acting and just stupid rubbish and shenanigans that, that put the game into disrepute, then in that sense I'm for it. It's always going to be controversial. Whether a referee makes a decision with VAR or without VAR, you know, the players are not going to change his mind. And in the end, the, the referee is going to either win or lose either way. Um no one's ever going to 100% agree with his decision, um, whether it's VAR-powered or not. Do I think the penalty in the final was a penalty? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, 
Um, if you interpret from the laws of the game, you know, people say, oh, it was not his intention to have his... You cannot legislate intent. You know, th these guys are referees, not philosophers, and they have to interpret the laws of the game as the laws of the game are written. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. If VAR comes and stays, well, so be it. We're just going to have to learn to accept it, that sometimes it will go for you and will go against you. Um, lovely joining you all. I uh, hope you've enjoyed uh, this short little spiel, and uh, I wish you all well. Thank you, and bye. Uh, my name is Caitlin Ward. I do justice and solidarity work at a small Catholic college in Saskatoon, which is also where I'm from. Uh, I support Atletico Madrid. Uh, football is kind of a family affair for me. I started watching it because my sister loved it so much. And since we live in different countries now, it's something that kind of connects us. Uh, I also really appreciate the loyalty that Atletico instills in fans, but also in players. They tend to stay there for a very long time, um, often for their whole career. Uh, I tend to take it very personally when players leave my club. So supporting a team like that is probably better for my mental health. Um, also, uh, in pickup games of soccer, I've traditionally played goal because I'm neither graceful nor fast, but I am very good at getting in the way of the ball and I don't mind if it hurts, um, which is probably also part of the reason I support Atletico. Uh, they play very, I don't know, smashy football, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, I'll always take a Gabby tackle over a Jordi Alba dive um, just about any day of the week. Um, I both did and didn't enjoy this World Cup. Uh, it's the first it's the third World Cup I've followed closely. Uh, I did like the number of upsets, especially in the early stages. Uh, I was actually in Panama for work for the first week of the Cup, so it was pretty amazing to be there for the country's first time qualifying, even though it was pretty clear that they weren't going to get very far as soon as you watch them play. Uh, and I also felt pretty vindicated about Croatia. Um, I'm not necessarily a supporter of that team, uh, but since the last World Cup, I've been consistently telling people not to underestimate this Croatian side, and I felt like I was proven right um, in a couple of ways. Um, at the same time, though, this World Cup brought up something of a, I don't know, I guess an ex existential question for me. Um, what is the purpose of football? Um, at base, the point is to win uh, for any team. And that's how teams were playing in this cup. But uh, there were a lot of really boring games and really irritating tactics that advanced sides. Um, and I think VAR can potentially become useful long term, but personally, I do think VAR is part of this attempt to quantify football in a way that isn't necessarily useful. Um, I guess to, to clumsily paraphrase Clausewitz, there's there's a fog of war on the pitch that dictates play in a way that isn't quantifiable. Um, I know baseball is a slow moving game. American football is a slow moving game and stats can be very, very helpful. Um, and I think that stats are helpful in soccer as well, but they really only tell part of the story. Um, and I think by the same token, VAR slowed games down so much sometimes that it actually changed the nature of play. I did want Uruguay to win this cup. Um, I do think they had a fighting chance, but I didn't go into the cup thinking any team was a sure thing. Um, the team that impressed me most during the World Cup was actually England. Uh, in the World Cups I've seen, they've had a tendency to play 
English football, like English players, and then they end up crashing out in the round of 16. And then they criticize other countries for not playing properly instead of being willing to adapt to what is very obviously a global sport. There's this kind of sense of, well, that's not cricket. And it's kind of like, you're right, it's not. Um, and it doesn't really matter who invented it. This is the way it's played now. Uh, but this year, there really seemed to be a willingness to adapt and to improvise. Uh, and the English side, they played... English football, but they didn't play English football to the detriment of of their standing, I guess is the only way to say it. Um, the game against Colombia, for example, was hard to watch, um, but England came out fighting. And I don't really follow the Premier League and I don't generally support the England team, but I am looking forward to seeing how this side will do in the 2020 Euros and the next World Cup as well. And um, I guess by extension, my standout manager for the tournament is uh, Gareth Southgate for this reason. Uh, he's allowing English football to adapt and to grow. And it's not just that kind of long ball, throw it up to the big boys in the front, which is what my brother-in-law always says. Um, and I think if England want to compete on the world stage, that's what they need. They need to recognize that this team has moved. Not that the sorry, not that this team has moved on, um, but they need to recognize that the game has moved on and they need to move on with it. Um, the team that really disappointed me, though, was France. Um, and I know that probably sounds kind of weird considering that they won, but it really wasn't until the final that I felt like they were playing proper football, like a proper team. Uh, what really turned me against them was their game against Uruguay in the quarterfinals. Uh, obviously, I was, I was supporting Uruguay um, after Spain got knocked out. They're my kind of my two teams. Um, but even so, that game, it just was kind of embarrassing to watch. Um, I personally don't mind a bit of tactical diving, and I don't mind cynical tackles occasionally. But what the hell were they doing? Um, it looked to me like France went into that game knowing Uruguay was a hard-hitting South American team as many South American teams are, and they decided to play victim to that. And it worked, but I don't think it should have. Um, I had a couple of standout players in this tournament, but the one I think I really want to talk about is Jimenez um, uh, for Uruguay. Uh, he really impressed me. Um, now, Uruguay's defense got a lot of attention in this World Cup, and rightfully so. Um, they were incredible. Um, but the reason that I'm picking Jimenez in particular is he's very young. He's only 23. And this is his second World Cup. But he was just a baby when he played in 2014. And he plays for Atletico, and I've really watched him come into his own there the last few seasons. Um, Seeing him play as well as he did on the world stage was a real pleasure. Obviously, he played very, very well with Godin, but I don't think it's just because they play uh, club football together. I think that kind of the back line in general was a really cohesive and solid unit, and they did very well. Uh, and honestly, also, I really appreciate that he started sobbing uncontrollably at the end of the France game. Um, I know he got a lot of flack, especially in the English-speaking world, but... But I like that he cares that much. Um, and I like that he cares like that. However stupid his hair is sometimes. Um, in terms of disappointments, um, there's no particular player, I think, that really disappointed me. Um, there's certainly ones who irritated me. Um, Mbappe did so well in some ways, but watching the way he dove um, over and over again and kind of his tactics really irritated me sometimes. Um, the one that, for example, that really pissed me off was in the final when um, he stomped on Versalco's foot and then like fell over weeping. Um, 
And um, and as I said, I wouldn't say he I, he disappointed me because I haven't been particularly following his career. And honestly, I mean, he did incredibly well. Like the, how fast he can run is truly impressive. And I think that he's young. And so tactically, he's not everywhere yet, but I think he can get there. Um, so I wouldn't say he was specifically a disappointment, but he was certainly an irritation throughout the tournament for me. Um, managers, uh, well, I was disappointed in Lopetegui, um, which um, he wasn't actually managing anybody for the World Cup. But um, but the fact that he took the job with Real Madrid and then was fired two days before their first game, to me, that just it kind of it just threw a side that's already not in a great place into a much worse place. And. I don't want to say Hierro disappointed me because he was kind of handed a shit sandwich. Um, but I do think that Spain underperformed at this tournament. Um, they are a better team than they played. And I think, you know, their first game versus Portugal, I was actually really worried about the first 10 minutes of it um, because they seemed like a mess. They looked like they didn't know what they were doing. Um, they pulled it together. And honestly, that ended up being one of my favorite games of the whole tournament um, because it was so exciting and there was so much going on and Spain really did come together. But I don't think they sustained that throughout the tournament. Um it's been pretty clear since 2014 that their style of play has to evolve. And Tiki Taka really took the world by surprise for a few years, but everybody's kind of caught up. And if you're just passing the ball back and forth for no reason, you're wasting time. The only thing that's going to happen is your pass accuracy stats are going to be really high. But again, if you don't get the ball in the net, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, and I think since, um, since they didn't have clear leadership, uh, going into the tournament, they really relied on those old tactics. And I think that that was the reason why they couldn't break through Russia's defense. Um, they don't have strong strikers now in a lot of ways, um, the way that they had, you know, in previous tournaments. Um, not that I have anything bad to say against the, or say, I, I don't have anything bad to say about the people who are now their strikers per se, but like they don't have um, they don't have a Torres or they don't have Juan Mata and, you know, like Silva has been amazing, um, in previous tournaments, but he's also getting older. Um, Iniesta is getting older. They, David Villa is retired from international football. Xabi Alonso is retired. Um, he's not, obviously he's not a striker, neither is Silva, but, um, um, but they can't play the way that they used to because they don't have the people playing or they don't have Javi again. I'm sorry, I'll stop just naming good Spanish players. Um, how can you tell I follow La Liga? Um, but anyway, yeah, I think in a crisis they relied on old tactics and they're just not effective anymore. Um, um, let's see, standout goals. Honestly, I'll be this is, sounds a bit weird for a, a football fan, but but I don't really have much time for strikers. I think they're the trumpets of the marching bands that is football. Um in the sense that they draw a lot of attention and obviously they're necessary, but there's a lot of other moving parts uh, to any game. Um, and that, you know, goalkeepers, to my mind, are just as, if not more important than strikers. And I always feel like they they get shit on when things go badly, but they don't get praised when things go well. Because, and I would say it's the same thing with defense, is that you know that they're doing well because you're not paying attention to them. Um, but that being said, my standout goal of the tournament was uh, Diego Costa's first goal in the Spain-Portugal match in the um, in the group stage. Um, not because it was a particularly masterful shot, but because any day that Pepe gets an elbow to the face is a good day in my book. Um, I can't actually quantify or explain 
the amount of antipathy I have for that man. Um, you dive or you tackle. If you do both, you're a bitch. Hey, everyone. Nice to have you back. Um, we're really happy uh, with the contributions that we had. Uh, thank you very much to all of you, all of you who contributed. Um, really good stuff. Very, very pleased. Um, we'd like to hear from more of you in the future because we know that there's a lot of great people out there with a richness of opinion and uh, and and knowledge and we would like to share this again our accent on this is to make it participatory so there'll be plenty of opportunities and we will be calling on you um so some general comments basically on what we've heard um i'd like to say off the top that i love the diversity that we have here okay uh in terms of opinions and in terms of nationalities uh in terms of uh, uh Knowledge, it's fantastic. Um, a few kind of motifs. Um, yeah, I'm with I'm with Gio on, on the fact that I, I'm indeed getting a little bit tired of tiki taka. Uh, and I know this is weird. I love. I, you know, this is the contradictions. You know, the scandal of my contradictions of being with you and against you at the same time. I love defensive football, but I also love attacking football. And the more the I think of the result of the this World Cup, you know, seems to kind of set in. The more and more I have to say, I'm beginning to see the merit in Frank's and Gio's uh, points about, you know, winning with pragmatism. Uh, I, I still don't think it was one of the best World Cups I've seen, but yes, I'm beginning to understand this better. Uh, you know, Frank, uh, I mean, you're right. Uh, essentially, uh, you know, with referees, you have to break even. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it is about getting the result. Um, Lena, great to hear your voice again. It's been a long time. Uh, I'm with you on the Ronaldo thing, but I think you guys have a blessing in disguise over there with uh, Juventus. Um, I'm also in total agreement with what just about everybody said on this. Um, Bridget, the analysis, as usual, is spot on. Same with Caitlin. Caitlin's final remarks were fantastic. <laughs> I love that. That was a great way to end. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, we are kind of in a goldfish bowl a lot of times. when we, Steve and I, when we talk about football, we very much kind of like have this very limited opinion as we talk on the phone. And I really enjoyed listening to these kind of analogies and analysis because it, it, it kind of opens up my thinking and lends me to new ideas and other ideas and to realize that people actually have other opinions that probably are just as informed or even better informed than my own. And I really appreciate that. It was just fantastic to listen to. Steve? I can only echo yeah. really what, uh, what you said. Uh, super thankful that you all chose to uh, take the time to participate. Um, so what we're going to do now, uh, we'll take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss uh, some of the purchases that have happened so far, uh, as well as, um, I guess, this weekend's matches uh, for what we've seen so far. And uh, from there, we'll sign off. We'll be right back.
And we are back. So, Julian, um, I guess you have some questions that you kind of want to go over in this next segment, um, discussing, you know, uh, what has gone on over the transfer window. And we can also take a look at the matches that have happened over the weekend. So yeah, far. Steve, what I did was I, uh, I, you know, I thought that, you know, we can go on for like a couple of days here, uh, given all that's happened with the Ronaldo transfer and, you know, the, the rumors coming out of Manchester United, your club with Mourinho and the shuffling that's gone on. But, you know, I just kind of decided that we can kind of like focus it on kind of like three major areas today. And the first question I wanted to ask you what are you excited about this coming year the most? A more competitive premiership, okay. I think. I don't think City is going to run away with it in the same way that they had uh, that they did last year. Um, I definitely think that at the end of the year, you're going to see at least, I wouldn't actually say at least, I think there are going to be three clubs fighting, out, uh, fighting it out, um, all of whom are going to be located in the north, uh, two of which are in Manchester and one... Uh, which is Liverpool. I think the three of them, uh, even though Manchester United didn't do a lot to improve uh, in terms of adding players uh, this season, um, players appear to be coming back healthy. Uh, the depth seems to, maybe Mourinho's finally realizing that he needs to utilize depth, although uh, Mourinho never changes anything ever. Um, so it's it's going to be very very interesting to watch. I think the Premiership is going to be uh, far and away uh, the the league that's going to be the most exciting to watch again this season, and not just in that top group. Um, you're going to have an excellent battle for relegation. Yeah, um, you're going to have an, a, a strong battle even for those those extra Europe spots for the Europa League. Um, but either way. Uh, I, I go into almost every game this year thinking any just about anybody can beat anybody. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the Premiership myself too. I mean, I'm excited about other things, but I just want to kind of add, maybe kind of dialogue with you a little bit on this. I think you're right. I think that I don't think it's going to be a cut and dry championship for Manchester City the way the pundits are saying. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on City to win the Champions League, and that is really going to interfere in many ways, with their project to win the, the Premiership. And let's face it, Liverpool just looks great this year on paper. Um, you know, I don't like friendlies, and all of the friendlies just basically point that they're like going to be a powerhouse. But I don't think that these things are an indication of anything. I think that uh, Liverpool is going to challenge. I think Manchester United is going to be incredibly difficult to break down this year. Uh, it's based on just yesterday's match alone. Um, I, I'm one of the guys who actually think that it was probably a wise thing for Tottenham not to kind of break up their chemistry. I think they have a good team and I think they're going to go better. Um, Chelsea, I don't see Sari working out, but the team is, is a good team. And I also see them fighting. Uh, I know you have some thoughts on, on the Gunners and the fact that you think that they actually going to really disturb things. But before I, I let you go off on that, I do want to say that we've seen some really big improvements in teams from Crystal Palace, uh, Everton. Uh, we've also seen a great deal. Uh, uh, I mean, there's going to be interesting things coming from Wolves. There's going to be interesting things coming from Fulham. And all those teams will play a role as they will take points from these top five, top six teams. And I think you're right. I think this year the championship is going to be very, 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 very interesting. 
Yeah. So I think that's, that's, and I, I think that's going to be the best part is, is that um, maybe apart from three or four teams that I think are going to be destined to, to fighting it out for relegation, um, just about anybody can, can take points, whether that's even taking a drop. Like, yeah. Like, like if you could, like Newcastle showed up until like the 92nd minute last year, like they held City to nil-nil until they gave away a, a penalty. Yeah, I don't think they're going to run away with it. I just don't think they're going to run away with it like they did last year by winning by so many points by Christmas time. I, I just, I see a different season coming out. But you know what? You have this, this theory about Arsenal and uh, you've been, you've been touting this for a while and I'm curious for you to get this take out there. So to me, uh, Arsenal has finally bought the player that they have been screaming out for since Vieira left. And that's Lucas Torreira. Yeah. Uh, they finally have a midfielder that can actually defend. Uh, they brought in L- Stefan Lichtsteiner, who I think is going to be uh, great in organizing uh, that back line. And the uh, room. And Peter Cech has been around forever. He's, he, you know, he's, he's starting to slow down a little bit. But uh, but I still think he's he's more than more than capable uh, as a keeper for them. They brought in another keeper too, but I don't remember yeah. who it was. German keeper. Yeah, yeah German. Yeah, 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 his name now. escapes me yeah. at the moment. Um, and uh, you know, your club has let go of so many players before they fulfilled their potential. Uh, the, the list that, is enormous. Uh, I actually think Aubameyang is going to have a great year. Uh, very well, could lead the scoring charts in England this year. Um, now that he's back and paired up with uh, Mkhitaryan, the two of them, uh, he, when they were at Dortmund, formed a, a deadly duel. Um, you think they'll find room for Lacazette this year? Uh, Lacazette will play in the Cups, okay. I have a feeling. Uh, if they go down goals and they need to chase a goal, they might they might go to a different system. Um, but the player who I think might end up being forced out is Mesut Ozil. Yeah. Um, just yeah. because we've seen uh, Emery when he was at Sevilla demanded a lot of players, uh, and it worked at Sevilla. Um, it didn't work at PSG, but that's because there might be a few too many egos in in that dressing room that uh, that it couldn't be handled in that way. It would be like putting Roy Hodgson in charge of Liverpool, total failure. Um, yeah. So I think uh, Arsenal's. Arsenal's going to be, I think, for the first time in a long time, maybe not so easy to score against, which I think has, for a very long time, has been the issue. It's never been scoring about scoring goals for Arsenal. They can score goals. They need to stop letting the ball get to the net. And I think they they added Socrates from from Dortmund. He's as another well. intelligent like, player. They yeah. had uh, to me. They had the best transfer window. Um, Better than Liverpool's. We knew what Liverpool was doing, and I think Liverpool ended up actually missing out on a couple of the players that they had wanted to bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think Liverpool still didn't strengthen where they needed to. Which is a centre-back. Yeah, they yeah. need another centre-back. Lovren, love, despite Lovren thinking he's one of the greatest centre-backs in the world, like ignorance must be bliss for this guy. But he had a good World Cup, you got to admit. Again, when you have players in front of you, uh, like, yeah. like, like let's face it, Brozovic uh, played incredibly in front of them. Uh, Lovren, uh, Lovren looks good because of the players he has around him. Yes, he made a Champions League final, but Van Dyke is a is one hundred percent the better centre back of that pairing. I find Liverpool to be a really interesting squad this year, and I think that. Um, 
you know, they, they gave Manchester City a lot of trouble last year. And I think that, you know, if the, the running gets tight, I mean, you're going to see some, I, I think you're going to see this squad uh, really push uh, the top end of the premiership very far. I mean, buying Kieta was, was, was a very uh, shrewd buy. Uh, one of my favorite purchases of the, of the summer was uh, Fabinho. And I think that this team has gone from strength to strength, to be honest with you. They have strengthened in positions that, that needed it. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's good to finally see them start spending with the, with the rest of everybody else, despite their claims that they wouldn't. Um, but but good for their good for their owners to finally put up some money uh, to to be able to do that. Um, outside of the top six, though, who had who who had probably who do I think had the best transfer window? Um, oof. I, I, it's a tie. There are three teams that had better transfer windows, and they might have actually even outpaced anybody in the top six. Uh, West Ham. Yeah, uh, and not only because of the players they brought in, but they brought in a very experienced manager yes. who's going to, I think, can do a very good job with that team. Uh, Everton had a had a great window, and Fulham had an absolutely yeah, fantastic they, window. They look, they, they look, the, the, the mid table looks very strong. Although I got to say, West Ham has got that kind of. You know that reputation of being a clown car team. You know, I mean, if there's a team that's gonna, gonna hit the self destruct button, it's West Ham and Newcastle, of course, right? You know, uh, Newcastle needs to put a key in the ignition before they even start. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, of course. I, I got to tell you, I'm really excited about Serie A this year. It's, uh, I think that Italian soccer has been steadily on the incline, and I think that uh, let me just say a couple of qualifiers first of all, even though it's getting much better and the league is becoming much more competitive. I don't think anybody's going to challenge Juventus. I think Juventus actually, um, I think that Juventus will, will win the champion, uh, will, will win the city championship. No problem. Um, I also, uh, I'm very excited about my club, AC Milan. They finally have starting to put a foot in the right direction in terms of administration, uh, bringing in Paolo Maldini and uh, Leonardo. These are very intelligent guys. Uh, I don't like the fact that they've declared Silva from Portugal and uh, Suzo as surplus. I think that these are really good players. I'm glad that Kalinic is gone. I think Inter is going to be very strong. I think Roma is going to be very strong. I think Lazio is going to remain where they are. And I think that there's going to be, uh, I, I, I mean, outside of, you know, I, I don't, I don't see these teams. I see Juventus winning again and they'll have early. it probably winning early too. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm excited about the kind of incline, but like I said, uh, you know, the, the qualifiers, first Juventus, but secondly, the league also needs a kind of modernization. Uh, um, I mean, the stadiums are dilapidated. The administration is corrupt. Uh, there is a lot of things that are going on that are just very bad about the general uh, health of the game in Italy, and I do not see that changing for at least a generation or two. And But I'm excited about that. I'm also excited, and I just wanted to add this really quick, I'm really excited about Portugal. Um, you know, with the depletion of uh, what happened at Sporting Lisbon, 
And, uh, you know, the way that basically they're, they're poaching the players. Now, a lot of Portuguese players have been poached. I think you're going to see a kind of a, for the first time almost in its history, a kind of a parody that might take place. Although it looks like Porto and also Benfica still will be a little bit above everybody else. But I think that this year you'll see some very interesting things happening in Portugal. Uh, as far as Spain goes, I'm sorry. It, it, it's quality. It's fantastic. It's brilliant football. But there, nobody's breaking that hegemony between Real Madrid and Barcelona, and not even Atletico, even with the purchases that they made. So uh, I agree with your points about Portugal. I agree with your points about Italy. I think you're wrong about Spain. Um, and that's only because uh, I don't think that they've that Real Madrid has done enough uh, in, in, the, in this transfer window to, to bring players in. Like, you you've lost one of the two best players of this generation and you really haven't done enough to to replace him. Yes, you have Esco in this team. Yes, you have Asensio in this team. But they've also purchased that young Brazilian whose name escapes me right oh, now. Vinicius yes, Junior. Yeah, which Junior. I yeah, which this guy this guy could be the next Ronaldo, man. Could be. Yeah. But could also completely fall. They they have really I mean they're they're turning that club around. There's so, a there's a revolution going on in Real Madrid. It will be revolution. In I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, That's what can you say? Poor choice of words. Uh, may, well, I don't know if it's a poor choice of words. I mean, because look, listen. Let me just say this: what's going to happen in Spain this year will just serve to to increase my hatred of Real Madrid more and more and more. I think that's fair. Um, my question for you. Yeah. Um, who do you say? I'll give you, you know, I'll give you your top three. Um, and it doesn't have to be just in England. It can be, um, it can be across all of Europe. It'll be um, your three. Who do you think the three best purchases? Well, I was going to ask you the same been. thing. Yeah. So who have your three best purchases been? Um, okay. The best, uh, I was really sad to see Jorginho leave Napoli. And that being said, I think Napoli is actually going to remain within the top five in Italy. I mean, I think bringing in Ancelotti, and I, I kind of wanted to say that I didn't, I, I kind of neglected them. I think that with Ancelotti there, they're going to be very, very interesting. He's going to bring some much needed stability and he's going to bring in the right players. But losing Jorginho was huge. And I think that Jorginho and Chelsea is, is to me, is one of the best purchases. Okay. The second best purchase, I would say, and I'm not, actually not the second best purchase. I would say the purchase that's on par is Liverpool buying Fabinho. I mean, uh, this guy, he's he's guy. This guy can play. I mean, I'm really, 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 really impressed uh, with him. Um, and I think that that's that's going to add another another dimension. Qualifier for this question, though. Um... Like I think we can both agree that Ronaldo to Juventus is a big deal, so we're going to leave that one. Well, yeah, I, mean, I was just about to say the same let's thing. Let's leave that yeah. one off the table. I mean, I mean, but you, you can't ignore that. But I'm not even sure that that will make Juventus better. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to incorporate them into into his into that team because it's not going to be his team. You know what I mean? Uh, the way it was at Real Madrid. That's all I want to say about that. I also think the purchase that you guys made with Fred. Uh, and I've noticed three Brazilian players, one of them has become a naturalized Italian in Jorginho. But I think Fred is really going to add a dimension, <laughs> a dimension to the defensiveness, if you can say it. But he's going to tighten things up and he's going to bring much more depth. And I think uh, three Brazilians, right? Fred, Jorginho, 
and Fabinho. I think that these are the best purchases I think that I've seen this year. So I agree with you on those three. Um, but I do want to add one more. Okay. Um, uh, actually, I'll add two more. Um, and I'll stay out of I'll stay out of England for these two. Um, and both both are midfielders. I think um, I know where you're going with this. And uh, one is in Italy. Yeah. And one is in Spain. Okay. Oh, uh, I, I, I was wrong. I thought you were going to mention the kid from Canada. Uh, no, that's a fantastic deal. We'll talk about that after. That's really okay. cool. Um, but uh, the first deal is obviously uh, Vidal to to Barcelona. Yeah, I, like yeah. Paulinho had a great season. Don't get me wrong, but Vidal's an upgrade. Like totally. And then the second one did Inter shit the bet on that one, boy. But did Inter not make possibly by not only did they improve, they made one of their direct rivals worse by bringing in Nangola. So is that your second? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I mean. Nangolin is 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 a, is, a, is a character, of course, as we say in Italian, è un tipo. However, you know, talented as hell, but like, you know, Spalletti is known as a bit of a you know of a bit of a taskmaster, and you know, we know that Nangolin likes to party, and uh, I wonder how he's going to fit in. Uh, yeah, I, I actually look at Inter, Inter. I mean, with Latauro. And uh, they're, they're going to be very, very interesting, I think, you know. Uh, but then again, right, you know, Italian teams have this have this reputation of kind of like collapsing on themselves, even though they make out these purchases. I mean, take a look at my club last year. We spent an extraordinary amount of money on some incredible talent, and we just crapped right out, you know. I actually think you finished where you deserve to finish. Okay. But that's, that's, you know, that's a discussion for another time. Um and then I guess the deal that you brought up. So Alfonso Davies uh, will be yeah. leaving Vancouver Whitecaps at the end of the season to go to Bayern Munich. Um, Steve, let me ask you. Is he the real deal? For the Yes. I, you know, um, I, I, not only do I think he's the real deal, and it's really difficult to make that type of claim because the last time anybody in North America made a claim about a player being the real deal uh, Freddie Adu turned out to be one of the, the, the biggest flops yeah. ever. Um, but that being said, I think I think the people that are around uh, Alfonso Davies compared to the people that were around Freddie Adu at that time have have set Alfa- have set Davies up for success. Um, going to Bayern Munich was probably uh, the best choice he could have made. Um, I know there there were offers in England. Um, but uh, going to Bayern, and as much as neither of us like Iron Robin, and we don't like Frank Ribery, um, well, kind of like Ribery, but I do not like Robin. The, but but you have to admit the two of them have been yeah they've been some around. of the top wingers in Europe for a very long time. Yeah. And if you're if you're going to go and learn uh, how to play that position, then you're going to the right place to do it. Okay. Anything else? About him? No, about transfers and so on. Uh, I was going to ask you if there had been one player that you wished that your team had brought in this turn, uh, this this transfer window. Or your transfer window is still open. So if there is one player that that Milan could bring in to to f- to fill a role that's missing, hmm, it's a good question. I haven't really thought about it. Um, I actually like what they have. It's more a question of what they're going to give up. 
and I don't want them to. I, I don't want them to give up on on, on Andre Silva, and I don't want them to give up on Suso. Um, <laughs> I'd like it if Messi came to AC Milan. Okay, <laughs> I mean that that would be great, but I don't think uh, that's going to happen soon. Um, no, I mean. Uh, Right now, I mean, where it stands, I think everything kind of like is falling into place and I really can't kind of see any kind of things that I'm excited about in terms of it. I'm, I'm excited more about you know, the kind of administrative actions that AC Milan has done and bringing in Maldini and Leonardo was, was a smart move. Um, I have another question. What are your major predictions for this coming football season? Okay, so before I give you those, I'm going to tell you what I wish my club had done. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't ask. My apologies. Um, we need a right winger, plain and simple. Uh, I would have I would have really tried to take William from Chelsea. Yeah, uh, that would have been think, a good buy. I, I think it would have fit really well because he loves playing for Mourinho. Yeah. He's been always very open about that. Hated playing for Conte. Uh, I think a lot of people hated playing for Conte. Well, did you ever see the picture William posted on Instagram? Yeah. And he put that trophy. And then, uh, so he did an interview last week with ESPN, and he said that his daughter did it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, William is a superstar. I, I would have went for, for William. Uh, obviously, yeah, Messi. Jesus Christ. Messi's available. Then, there you then go. You, then you bring Messi into the team. Uh, Mourinho seems to think we needed another center back. Um, yes. I actually agree. I know there's some disagreement between the two of us on that one. That being said, there's a lot of dead wood uh, in in Manchester United's team right now that that probably should have been shipped out earlier. Um, although people seem to think Marcus Rojo deserves to leave, I thought he was the only like half decent defender for Argentina in this past World Cup, so I wouldn't sell him. Um, I don't think we need strengthening at the back positions. Luke Shaw yesterday proved Fantastic. far and away that that he can play the position. Uh, and has the mental toughness to play not only for Mourinho, but also for Manchester United. Yeah. Um, but that's what I would have done. I would have brought in Toby Alderweireld from, from Tottenham. Sure. If I had to bring in a center back, yeah. that, would have, that would have been my choice. Um, okay. Major predictions. Are we talking just England? Ah, throughout the whole world of football, man. Uh, I mean, in England, pretty, I think we pretty much covered that. I mean, I'll give you my top four in England. Okay. Uh, uh, in no particular order. Um, and it's going to be both Manchester's Liverpool and Arsenal. Okay. Um, relegated clubs. Uh, Cardiff is not going to go, is not going to stay up. Um, Watford is going to have a really difficult time, I think. And um, this one might surprise you because I've been, I've been saying it's going to be Huddersfield. Um, but uh, I think it's, it'll be a battle between Huddersfield, Brighton, and Newcastle. I'm not going to pick anything for the top of the Premiership. Uh, I just don't think it's a good idea. Uh, maybe I'll tell you again uh, in February. But right now, I, I'm going to tell you who I think is going to get relegated. And I think it's going to be Cardiff, Huddersfield, and Bournemouth. I think that they're the ones that are going to go down. That's a, that's yeah. a fair assessment. Uh, uh, in terms of like major things that might happen... Uh, across the leagues. Uh, PSG to get knocked out early on in the Champions League again. Neymar to request a transfer. Yep. Um, or Cavani to be transferred. One of the two of them will not be, be at the club at this time next year. Any favorites to win the Champions League? Barcelona. I'm loath to say it, but I think that this could be Juventus' year. 
Uh, Bonucci, I was reading, Bonucci had a quote uh, come out uh, this morning where he said, at least now with Ronaldo at the team, we don't start every game against Real Madrid 1-0 down. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Uh, they, they, they have a chance. Uh, my, my, here's my other prediction for the Champions League is that Real Madrid is going to have a very difficult time in the group stage. Yeah, I, I, I actually think Real Madrid is going to be focusing on the championship this year. I think that based on what happened last, last year. year. I mean, I don't think that they have. I think don't think that they have that experience anymore. Uh, although they, well, maybe maybe like a little bit, a little bit. Sorry, that might have been a mistake. They have the experience. I mean. What they need, I think, is they, they need that drive. Last year, look, they weren't very good in the league, but they were incredible in the Champions League. You, you really can see that they knew what it took. With, um, with referee favor. Yeah, like, yeah let's, oh, let's no, of course, of course. Yeah, like, there's some terrible Madrid, calls. Madrid terrible is UEFA's. Is UEFA's is U, Juventus, yeah. Um, um, but I do want to say uh, any uh, uh, predictions. Um, I have a couple more for you after. But yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of predictions, uh, watch it. Watch out for Inter this year. I think that Inter Milan is going to be a very, very interesting team to watch, and they're going to be very difficult uh, to be uh, be beaten uh, if the project goes accordingly. Um, outside of that, I, I I don't have much more other than that. You know. Okay, so I'm gonna couple MLS predictions because oh, we do not talk MLS very much. I do. I did want to say something about about about, about the MLS, but be, but before. Before we uh, uh, go on, I just wanted to kind of give an honorable mention to uh, Rio Ferdinand in terms of uh, uh, commentary. Okay, uh, I wanted to uh, kind of incorporate that. Rio Ferdinand, if you guys haven't caught Rio Ferdinand on YouTube, do yourself a favor and listen to his analysis. It is fantastic. Uh, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Um, but sorry, Steve, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. So uh, I'm going to do a European prediction first and that's going to be um a turkish team is actually going to do very well or i hope they do really well in europe this year um just based on the fact that there are a couple canadians playing um for for i think they're at beshkatash right now and that's yeah. kyle laren and uh to me the greatest canadian player ever in atiba hutchinson would not paul pesco Salido. <laughs> no, and definitely not Dwayne Di Rosario, yeah. and not Julian De Guzman, yeah. and God forbid we can't talk about the greatest, uh, the in his own mind at least, the greatest center back ever to have ever played the game. Uh, who I won't even name. Did he even did, did he even even play in the in the in the in the Premiership in Scotland? Uh, no, he played for the Premiership in England. Uh, he did played, he? Yeah, he played for Wigan. He, they, I didn't know that. So Wigan paid that five, stump. So Wigan paid five hundred thousand pound for him. Yeah, figure out who we're talking about if yeah, you can. Uh, go Google it uh, if you want. Uh, this person's blocked me on Twitter, so I just won't mention their name on, yeah. on the podcast because I think they're just absolutely terrible. Um, and I've made him uh, aware of my feelings. Yeah, he's a uh, stump. He's a stump. Um, so hopefully that happens well. MLS. Um, uh, TFC is going to make the playoffs. I, I uh, hope so. They've, uh, I think, uh, injuries, fatigue. Uh, it's been a difficult year. Um, still might make out with at least the Voyager Cup, which will put us back in the Champions League again. So that's okay. Um, well, you, there hasn't been one yet, you know. No, two away goals. It's uh, good. Two away goals are good. Vancouver, we'll Vancouver is a good squad this year. They're going to make the playoffs themselves. Quite possibly. Same with Montreal. Well, Montreal actually picked up Bakary Senya a couple of days ago. Yeah, I know, like, I know. Good and I would really love to see Montreal for Piatti. I, I mean, because I don't think his time is much longer there. 
you know? No. no yeah, and, and I love I, I love Montreal, the impact. I mean, this is a club with tradition. Sorry when it comes to Canadian teams. But anyways, uh, I would actually argue Vancouver has more, but there is, so we can, yeah, we can yeah. No, that. I think you're, I think that's fair assessment. Um, and Toronto, while not in, they're under the Maple Leaf umbrella. So yeah. it's a little difficult to, to be able to support Larry Tenenbaum and, and the whole Maple Leaf sports and entertainment. Um, I, I they think, have, they're the only team really in Toronto that has really put together a really strong winning culture in the last couple of years. Like, listen, I remember, I remember how hard it was when when that club first came to town. The years of like Aaron Winter as the manager, when uh, like and I remember Danny Decchio, like we no, were like I how many games in before? Remember we that day sitting in, sitting in the stands with FC Dallas when the storm was there. You and I, and the, the light, lightning hit the stadium. Remember that that was the dog days of TFC boy. Do you remember that that yeah. game? That was yeah, brutal. but do you remember we went to the Voyager Cup final when they played against Vancouver? And Mr. Juan yeah. Mata. Juan yeah. Plata. Plata, my mistake, Plata. sorry. Juan Mata yeah. comes and plays for Toronto we're FC. Yes, they're, they're going. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, no, it was Juan um, Plata who, who had a marvelous game. No, not Juan Plata, Joao Plata. Joao Plata, sorry, my mistake. Um, but uh, in terms of MLS, uh, Atlanta looks like they're going to be very difficult to stop. Um. They're, they are the class of the league right now, and they, they probably look like the team that will that, that is best set up to win a Champions League uh, and would represent the league very You mean well. the North American Champions League? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, and then I, I have to say... Tito uh, Mar it's Mar Martin, uh, Tato Martino. Tato Marti Martino, yeah. Um, two, two last comments on two aging retirees that probably, you know, MLS should stop bringing in, but they've actually had a good impact on their on their clubs. Wayne Rooney broke his face uh, yeah, a couple saw of weeks that. ago. Yeah. Uh, good to see that he's still got a little bit of fight left in him, yeah. left in him even though he, he moves slower than than a frog in molasses at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, but one that has been very successful, and I predicted it, and you disagreed with me, was Latan, who has been scoring goals left, right, and center. I didn't disagree with you. I just say, who cares? That's all I've got to say. You know, I mean, like you know, this is this bothers me that 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 MLS is still taking in all of these rejects or these like you know guys who are like in the final stages of their career and exalting them. You know, uh, but you know, to an extent, uh, I agree with you. But I like Zlatan came off an injury, so it was interesting yeah. to watch. This is more of like a rehabilitation. This might be a rehab stint for him. Like, let's be real. Like, and you think he might guy, go back to Europe? The guy's still fit enough to play in maybe not. Champions League, like play, he can't play week in, week out for yeah. a Champions League team, but he can play for a team that's fighting for a trophy still. Well, I've always been surprised that Divadia uh, basically chose to ride out his career at New York City. So, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah. it's probably it's a nice place to live. I mean, I'm sure for like, him, yeah. Gio, Gio, it's the same with Giovinco. Like, but you know, Giovinco to me, you know, I've always felt that the guy's overrated, and in this league, he's a monster because but of he could have went and yeah. played at a mid table. He could have played for a mid table team in Europe and been making a lot more money. But it's uh, the one good thing I think MLS has done um, is really integrate into their cities, uh, or at least tried to, for the most part. Yeah. Um, other than that. I, I don't have much. I just want to make a couple comments about the MLS. I mean, I've been watching it more and more as the years go by. Watch quite a bit this year. 
And I mean, it, like, it's really exciting to watch. Some of the goals that are scored are just out of this world. And I mean, some of it, but there's one thing that bothers me, and that is the defending is just atrocious in that league. And that's why we see these lovely goals, I think. And I think that we see this kind of like, you know, this kind of like, kind of accent on offensive football. Uh, I want to go back to TFC. And I just want to say this. I think if TFC may, and, and because it's related to the point of the defending, if TFC does manage to sneak into the playoffs, Anything could happen. And I would not be surprised at them going deep and maybe even winning it again, precisely because I see them as being the only team within the MLS that can defend a grade higher than just about everybody else. And if they're healthy, that, that's a good squad in that league. And that, that, that's, that's my two cents about the MLS. You know, Although we should do a show on Canadian football now that we have a Premier League here. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gio... Uh, uh, I, as I see on Facebook, is really connected to the the battalion, right? Uh, is that what they call it? Uh, Hamilton. You're putting, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, now. I can't remember. Gil, you'll have to send us a note telling us uh, yeah. it's the Hamilton Battalion or something like that. But uh, I, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, we got to do a show. We got to do a show on Canadian football real soon. Yeah, and not just the the men's, but the women's, absolutely uh, as well. Absolutely, because a lot of. Uh, a lot of our women play for PSG overseas. Yeah. They, like, they are all playing for very large uh, teams. Um, my club has a women's team now. Finally. Uh, and they won their first game. And yep. it was a, it was a very good game to watch. So well, very, very exciting. The English Premier, uh, the Women's Premier, Premier League is in England to, is, is quality, high quality. It's going to grow that. quickly. They're, yeah. not, they're not on par with what I would say. I think, to me, Germany and France have really kind of shown, although... Barca's women's team tends to win a lot. Yeah. So uh, the women's game is growing. Club game is growing, which I think is the most important thing and not just – Thank goodness. Just, just not the national. It's about time. Teams. And I wish we could actually watch more of it on television, to be honest with you. Yeah, even accessing the women's uh, game, yeah. the NWSL. Yeah. In Because uh, Christine Sinclair scored. You got it, man. Front and center. Superstar. Uh, I would have actually said that that's probably the greatest Canadian player we've ever produced is Christine Sinclair. That's she probably she's you know who she reminds me of and like I hate doing a hockey analogy but like everyone talked about how Haley Wickenheiser probably could have played should have played men's hockey and could have yeah. done it. Christine Sinclair I would take as my striker over Dwayne De Rosario every day of the week. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think we made a mistake talking about the greatest greatest Canadian footballer is actually Christine Sinclair. I mean, I think that needs to be said. I, that's fair. Listen, just to wrap things up, what did you think of today's matches? Uh, so I'm gonna I'll use yesterday's match as well. Okay. Um, uh, as a as a as a lifelong Manchester United fan, uh, it's not fun to watch my team play this style. But at the end of the day, if we win, I don't care. Sure, um, and I think more Manchester United fans need to start having that attitude, or they can just go support a different team that doesn't win trophies. I'm not going to name any names because that wouldn't be very nice of me to do. Very, so. that's fair. Well, I I want to say that that was a very efficient performance yesterday, and I said it to you this morning. I said that was the best game I've seen Paul Pogba play in a Manchester United jersey. And a lot of people will go, why? I mean, no, he actually took charge. And, and you could begin to see that this could be his team. Um, disappointed about Fulham today, though. Um, a little bit. Uh, I think Crystal Palace very much deserved the win. Yeah. Um, great London derby, though. I enjoyed it. It was. I thought it was refed. Uh, it was refed okay. But that's okay because you don't want the refing to be very good in the derby. You want 
hard tackling. You want guys to get up. You want each other. You like that. You want that feeling of a derby that, and, and you know what, in London, it kind of has been missing because yeah, as much as like Chelsea Tottenham a few years ago was really the last time we experienced the true feeling of a derby. Um, How many London teams have we got this year? Five or six? Well, Fulham, Fulham? Palace, oh, Arsenal, Fulham. Tottenham, Chelsea, West Ham, West Ham, six. We're so, probably missing somebody. Yeah, yeah, something. We're probably, but it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. And uh, Tottenham won today. Uh, what did you think of Chelsea? They didn't play what Sari wants them to play, which is very dangerous for the le- the rest of the league because if they can pick up wins before playing the way that he wants them yeah, to play. That's a good point. They are going to be incredibly yeah. dangerous. Uh Conte scored. Not a lot of people expected that. Uh he's worth five million in fantasy premier premier league because nobody expects him to pick up points and he scored a goal. Uh him and Jorginho, uh and really whoever they choose to pair with him could be drink water that gets paired in. Barkley was paired in there today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Loftus Cheek came on for a bit of a time. He's not at Palace anymore. He's back at Chelsea. Yeah, and this kid, this kid uh, uh, Hudson Hudson Adoy. He looks, he looks like he's going to be something special. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, and, and it's I really don't have a lot to say about the games this week because look at all the players that. Yeah, it's that, the first week. Like, yeah, the, there are guys who are still injured. There are guys who are coming back from from World Cups, especially in the bigger teams. I'm really looking forward to Arsenal versus City tomorrow. Yeah, and, and uh, or is it on Monday? I'm not sure which day. But tomorrow, way. I think Liverpool and West Ham tomorrow too, right? Yeah. So yeah, those are both going to be, gonna be very those are going to be great matches. Uh, just one one little comment about I think it's like uh, I'm I'm just glad that football started again. Uh, it's it's great to wake up on Saturday mornings and watch the matches again. Um, Except for the fact that the broadcasters are well, uh, it's it's not. Uh, Again, we should not name the people that we do not have, shall we say, uh, empathy for. <laughs> okay, I think that's the nicest way to say yeah. it. But I, 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 I love Caldwell and the other fellow, Terry Dunfield. Char- those, these guys are intelligent guys. Um, the other guy, he's blocked me on Twitter, and he's just a salami. Let's just be honest, okay? I mean, uh, you shouldn't even be here. I'm I'm sad. I miss uh, Jerry Dobson on. So Jer- this is the first year without Jerry Dobson on Sportsnet, dude. Um, I want Vic Router back, and I want Graham Leggett back. Graham Leggett must be just completely gone by this point. But I want Vic Router back. Uh, Craig Forrest on on Sportsnet, great guy, always fantastic, great always guy, uh, great stuff to share. Danny Decchio is fantastic. also with them on Sportsnet. So so why 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 does TSN have to kind of Put see, all their really, chips on this guy. See, what's really interesting is uh, the guy that you are speaking of, um, his former partner on the score, is the third host on Sportsnet. And I'm pretty sure we could do without either of them and actually have guys that played the game. It, totally. The yeah. and, and guys who played games in Canada. Yeah. They don't have to and, be international. And, and I, the only thing I will add to that is um, the one person that I have missed, uh, oh, what is her name? Kara... I can't remember. Oh her yeah, name. she uh, she did her knees in a couple yeah, years ago. Um, had to leave the Reed? Team. No, no, no. You're thinking Nigel Reed. He's no, one of the announcers. No, no, for, some, I know which one. She, she came out of Oshawa. She she she, yeah. played, she came out of Oshawa. She was really really good. Yeah. Um, I think that just about does it. Uh, yeah, that just about does it for us. Oh, uh, um, humble. 
I'm going on holidays, so uh, you know we're we're, we're going to try to do this as regularly as we possibly can. But um, we've got a couple of plans for a couple of shows. We've already contacted some of you guys. Um, the next one we're probably going to do is going to be our origin story as to why we chose the name Bella Hootman's Curse, and probably going to dwell a li- dwell a little bit into the history. Uh, we have uh, an, a good idea for a show coming up on a polemic as to the idea of negative football versus attacking football, or you know that age old debate. Yeah, or, or you know tech. Football technical versus t- football archery. Uh, so, Joe's, it, it, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going. I'll give you my one comment now before we like really get into it. And to me, it, this argument is signified by two managers who have come from Barca, the Barca system. The, yeah. Actually, I shouldn't say the Barca. I should say the the Brian Robson system. Okay. And and it's it is Jose it is Jose and it is Pat. Yeah, well, we know we know the whole story. We'll get into this as time goes on. We're going to try to be as regular as we possibly can. Um, I'm taking off to Lake Superior for three weeks, and uh, I'm sorry I won't be able to do a pod. Uh, Steve might sneak one or two in, and if he doesn't, we'll be back in about three weeks, and uh, we will promise to be much more frequent uh, in our gatherings. And yes, we will be including many of you, and uh, some of you we already given the tap on the shoulder. Uh, we'd like to hear from a lot of you. So, and by the way, we're on iTunes. So, uh, search for us. You can subscribe for, to us and uh, get it on your phone and listen to it at your leisure. Uh, for those of you who don't have iTunes, uh, Google Play Music does. Uh, you can also find us there and subscribe there as well, as well as many different podcasting apps. So, if you just uh, search for us, you'll be able to find us. Um, we'll be on Twitter pretty soon. Uh, we'll have our own website pretty soon. And tell your friends, man. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, those who are, who are getting into soccer, those who are into soccer, and tell us, you know, that we're trying to kind of democratize fandom, you know? And when we're wrong, tell us that we're wrong. Absolutely. Uh, so that I think that's all. Uh, thanks for listening. Good job, Steve.